Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. She was going to, uh, to share the song this year, and I love it. I was singing along with some of the words that I know. Um, and uh, Sheila was supposed to sing today, and uh, Sheila uh, was uh, unavailable as the uh, prayer that Robin gave us mentioned. Uh, and so um, Sherry was able to bless us with that. Thank you, Sherry. And uh, while we mentioned Sheila, you can remember her in prayer um, a firefighter passed away this week. You may have seen that uh, in the news. And Sheila herself has lost in this season 12 people that are close to her, including firefighters and others. And so uh, please remember uh, her in prayer. Also, Pastor Robin prayed for Robert, who is with us in this service today. And I had the privilege of marrying Robert, Robert and Lynn uh, 10 years ago, Robert, something like that. How many years ago? <laughs> oh, 11 years ago. Okay, thank you. Um, and many of you know Robert, even if you don't think you do, because Robert was a fixture uh, of the Edmonds Theater. He was the manager of the Edmonds Theater for many years, so you would know him from there, if not from the congregation. Uh, and I had the privilege of marrying them, and, and they married knowing that um, that Lynn had a, a degenerative condition, somewhat like dementia, and they had um, some really good years together. Um, they were You would see them walking around downtown Edmonds together, uh, and then the, the dementia uh, uh, took a, a place where she needed to get into memory care, and eventually this week she passed away. And so, uh, Robert, may the Lord be with you and, uh, and comfort you um, in, this, uh, in this season. You may have noticed in December that Casey has been um, leading us in these three Sundays of Advent, and uh, we are blessed to have her on the team, and she and Alan are working on a process of transition, and we'll share a little bit more about that down the line, but wanted to kind of explain uh, her role in uh, leading us in worship in these Sundays. We certainly uh, welcome her. We've been doing a series in... Advent called Do Not Be Afraid, Don't Be Afraid. And we continue that today. These are about angelic encounters where the angel tells the individual that is associated with the story of Christmas, Don't Be Afraid. And today we're going to look at Mary. And we have the angel Gabriel informing Mary that she will bear Jesus, the Son of God. Um, we will have a cheat sheet up here, uh, but encourage you to either follow along on your phone or a Bible. There's one in the pew rack in front of you if you don't have one with this morning. And just to add my welcome to each one of you, we have some friends home from uh, the sun for a season uh, for Christmas time, and we welcome you back home as well. We're reading from Luke chapter 1 and beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, 
and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There is so much in this passage that we could unpack, but in keeping with the season and extra music, we will be brief. And instead of three or four or five points, there's just going to be two today. So you can track track with, okay? So our series is Don't be afraid, and we're, we're looking at these angelic appearances where the angel appears to people that are a part of this uh, season, a part of the birth of Jesus, and uh, those angelic encounters, in the, the angels say to those individuals, don't be afraid. I don't know if you remember this, but about 30 years ago, there was a season in which angels were really popular. Do any of you remember that season? There were, there were books that were written about angels. There were, uh, I think, angel sort of, uh, I hate to call angel knickknacks, but whatever you call those things that you buy in, in you know, bookstores that you know, feature angels, statues of angels and whatnot, it was a really big deal. I can remember doing a series of talks back then on angels because we were sort of all intrigued with what angels were. Uh, Deb has put up a, a, a picture of a work of art that was done in 1900. And this is a, uh, an angel and children that were painted, the, the children's guardian angel as they, they cross a, a bridge that's kind of broken. And uh, and it's a, it was painted by uh, Lindbergh, uh, who was a German painter, and he did it in watercolors, apparently, for, um, for the cover of a postcard, for postcards that were done that year. And it became quite famous, and part of the reason for me including it is that Barb had it in your bedroom, I think. Was it above your bed or somewhere in the bedroom? Um, as a reminder to her, of, uh, of God's protection of her guardian angel of God looking after her. And so when I see this picture, um, I just, it, it reminds me of Barb's childhood. And uh, I, I don't know if you if you've noticed, but we've had a string of TV programs and movies that feature angelic encounters of one kind or another, all kinds of different encounters. And, uh, some of you may even have been watching something called Touched by an Angel. And so it, it's, it's been around us, but I want to take you back to the 1940s in a two-minute clip from a, a movie that has an angelic encounter, but it isn't quite what we thought an angelic encounter might look like. Let's watch together.
I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out, too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? You're... To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Oh, where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2, what, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. <laughs> So the funny thing in our story is that Mary doesn't seem to have been afraid of the angel. He, she, her fear, according to our text, was around what the angel said. And I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, we, we sort of classically think of an angel looking like our picture, and we would be pretty scared, but it seems that an angel sometimes shows up in the guise of a, of a person, and it may be in this case I, for Mary that Gabriel did it that way, but, but the point was that she didn't seem to be afraid of him, but she was fearful of what he said. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then to her fear, the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. So we're going to look at two ways that we experience favor with God. The first one is favor with God by what we do. James 5 says this, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. One definition of a righteous person is anyone acting in accordance with the requirements of God. So this is a person who does the right things. Basically, when the term righteous is used in Scripture, it's an expression of doing the right thing. And James says righteous people have powerful prayers. So we would understand then a righteous person who has powerful prayers to be favored by God. God seems to give special attention to the prayers of righteous people. Proverbs puts this favor of God by what we do this way. In Proverbs 3 verses 1 to 4, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep 
my commandments. It's pretty clear from this passage that in this case, we receive God's favor by keeping his commandments. In the New Testament, James says something similar. He says this in chapter 2. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. So one of the great challenges we have as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ in our Christian witness, is when Christians' lives are no different than others, that they don't show righteousness in terms of our lives and following God's commandments different than others. We should make a difference in the lives of those around us, we should live differently than the lives of those around us. They should see a difference. And quite honestly, friends, it isn't just in our own individual lives, but it's in our institutions as well. We need to live as a church so that people see that North Sound Church is made up of people who are different and that we engage in the community in ways that may be different than other people because we are followers of Jesus Christ and seeking after that righteousness. Sometimes I get very humbled in this regard. Last week, there was the tragic death of Officer Richard Houston in Texas. He was called to a domestic situation, and domestic situations are probably the most feared by police officers because the, the angst and the emotion that's happening in the household is unpredictable and you don't know how someone is going to respond and in this case Officer Houston was shot and killed. At his memorial service his daughter Shelby just 18 years of age shared what was quite humbling for me because she lived out this faith, this righteousness that I'm talking about. She took it seriously and at 18 years of age humbled me by how she could live this out. The video I'm going to share is just about a minute or two long from that memorial service. I want you to hear how this young lady is living out her faith from her dad's memorial service. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me. But as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live. But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, 
I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him. Not to yell at him. Not to scold him. Simply to tell him about Jesus. We're called to live a different life and Shelby at 18 years of age knows something about what that looks like. But we also need to remember that we're not made right with God through our behavior, through our own actions, through what we do. There's little doubt that Mary, as a young woman, perhaps 12 or 13 years of age, would have a lot of big sin heaped up in her life. But indeed, even she couldn't find favor with God in that way. Favor came from a different perspective for Mary. We inevitably, friends, find we can't do everything right. It's part of our human nature that we fail. No matter how hard we try to be righteous, how hard we try to live good lives, inevitably we fail. And and if we think we can earn our righteousness by what we do, our goodness by what we do, it, it leads to two very unfortunate places. In the one case, when we try to be perfect and we fail, we feel guilty and we feel bad and we we carry that with us in our lives because no matter how hard we try, we still stumble. But on the other hand, if we think we're doing well, if we think we're making progress, if we think we're doing good, it leads to pride, to spiritual pride, and that leads to very bad places as well because we then begin to look down on other people and say, well, look at how well I'm doing and look at how poorly they are doing. God wants us to change into his likeness. He wants us to deal with the stuff of our lives. He wants us to deal with the sin in our lives. He wants us to look like him. And as we come to Christ, we do need to apply ourselves to deal with the big stuff and the little stuff that keeps us from being the people that God wants us to be. Gordon MacDonald wrote a book a number of years ago called Ordering Your Private World. And he told of an experience in his own life that talks about this. He said, some years ago when Gail and I bought the old abandoned New Hampshire farm we now call Peace Ledge, We found the site where we wished to build our country home strewn with rocks and boulders. It was going to take a lot of hard work to clear it all out. The first phase of the clearing process was easy. The big boulders went fast, and when they were gone, we began to see that there was a lot of smaller rocks that had to go too. But when we had cleared the site of the boulders and the rocks, we noticed all of the stones and pebbles that we had not seen before. This was much harder, more tedious work, but we stuck to it. And then came the day when the soil was ready for planting grass. Friends, growing in character, growing in righteousness, being formed in the image of Christ, putting on the character of Christ is a lifelong process. There are always stones and pebbles to be dealt with, and that should keep us humble. But it's important to note that we don't find favor ultimately with God like Mary by what she did, but by who she was. Not by what she did, but by who she was. And so our second point is that we find favor with God by who we are. 
verse 30, we read, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Sometimes uh, pastors like to use Greek, and sometimes the word in Greek just means the same thing it means in English. It's not terribly helpful. But in this case, it's actually quite interesting. The word favor here is actually the same Greek word as grace. It's just translated favor here instead of grace. The word is charis. And so the fascinating thing here that, that even for, for Mary is that this gift of grace, this favor of God, is a magnanimous gift of favor that's not based on the worthiness of the recipient. We sometimes refer to grace as unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it, but God gave it to us. And we see that in this case with Mary. That, in fact, she didn't have to be good enough because God reached out to her in grace in giving her the blessing of being the mother of Jesus. Paul puts it well when he says this. He said, but God shows his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners... Not because we were righteous, not because we were good, not because we had it all together, not because we were perfect, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So friends, we don't need to fear because God doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gives us what we need. When we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, we receive the grace of salvation, and that grace continues in our lives. And it's a great reason for us to extend grace to others. When we realize that we have received unmerited favor, we've received a gift of grace that we don't deserve, but we're given it anyway by God because of who we are and because he loves us, it should motivate us in life to share that grace with others. Some of you may remember the 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a very popular pastor in London in the 19th century. And in those days, they would often print Sunday sermons in the London newspapers. Now, I can't hardly imagine today's sermon getting printed in my Edmonds News or the Seattle Times. The times are different, but in those days they used to do that sort of thing. And there was something unique that happened to Charles Spurgeon and another pastor in London, Joseph Parker. So on this occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children that were going into the orphanages Uh, of the church of Charles Spurgeon. The church had an orphanage and he was commenting on the poor condition of the children. And and really it was a compliment because the orphanage was going to help them and meet their needs. But in fact, um, when it got translated, Charles Spurgeon heard that Joseph Parker, this other popular pastor in London, had criticized the condition of the orphanage itself. And so in his next Sunday morning service, he blasted Parker for what he said. 
and that was printed in the London newspaper. And the, 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 the fervor and the excitement was spun up as a result. And so the next Sunday, people flocked to Joseph Parker's church to hear how he was going to respond to what Charles Spurgeon, this pastor, had said. And so the next Sunday, Joseph Parker went into the pulpit. And instead of what people expected to hear, the the rebuttal against these uh, comments that had been published in the press in London said by Spurgeon, this is what he said instead. He said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today. And this is the Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. Nothing about what was said about him. Nothing derogatory about Spurgeon. And the crowd was delighted. They took an offering and apparently they had, they passed plates and apparently they had to empty them three times because the people were so generous in their giving for the orphanage. Later that week, there was a knock at the study door of Joseph Parker. And when he opened the door, there was standing Spurgeon. And he said this, he said, you know, Parker, you've practiced grace on me. You've given me not what I deserved. You've given me what I needed. Friends, Mary was the mother of our Lord, and even she needed the favor, the grace of God, and so do we. And the good news is that we get it as a free gift, not because any of us are good enough, but having received the free gift of God, we have a responsibility to share that grace in how we relate to others. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for the blessing of your presence. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the wonderful story of your birth and the reminder that we don't need to live lives of fear. Today, Lord, I pray for us that even as we enjoy the music and the message of Christmas, that you would speak into our hearts that we would not only be grateful for the grace, for the favor that we have received, but that you would help us to pass that on to others as well in how we live our lives in Jesus' name.